we're going to focus on. But uh, also, really, um, the whole book of Romans, I hope, um, will kind of introduce and, and, and help you to think a little bit about. If I was to summarize uh, chapters 1 through 11 of the book of Romans, one way to summarize that would be uh, to say that Romans 1 through 11 is the story of the mercies of God. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, Romans 1 through 11 reveal the extent of the, the, the um, transcendence of the mercies of God. How merciful is our God? Well, it's on display in each one of those chapters. And then the second half of the book, and it's not really a half, but the second portion of the book, Romans 12 to 16, shows us then how should we respond to the mercies of God. And that's why in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul says, because of God's mercy, we then offer our bodies back to him as living sacrifices. We no longer offer our bodies as slaves to sin, as Paul said in Romans chapter 6. Instead, we offer our bodies up to God as living and holy sacrifices that are meant to be pleasing to him. What is to be offered to God? Our bodies, our entire, our whole being, our entire being. God wants it all. Um, how is it to be offered? Well, to answer that question, let me ask this. What makes this sacrifice in Romans 12 and verse 1 different from every other, almost every other sacrifice in the Bible. Did you catch it in the reading? What's different? This is, a, this is a living sacrifice. Go back to the Old Testament. Think about when they presented offerings to God, when they presented sacrifices to God, every, every time uh, you're presenting a sacrifice to God, what do you do with it? You kill it. You, the blood pours out and then it's offered up as a fragrant aroma to God. But this particular sacrifice is called a living sacrifice. We are to be offered ourselves to God alive and holy, that is set apart, separate for God. Why is it to be offered? Well, the text here says because it is our worship, our service of worship. It is what is acceptable and what is pleasing to him. And so this year, this is our focus, to work as a congregation on becoming living sacrifices, to work on offering up to God spiritual sacrifices that are well-pleasing to him, a fragrant aroma up to him. And so each month, we're going to take some time um, to, at least in one of our uh, assemblies each month, to try to key in on something related to this theme of becoming living and holy sacrifices. And, and many of our classes over the course of the year will tie into that theme as well, including the one that we're going to start today, this afternoon. But here's the question that I want to ask you in this hour, and it's really a continuation of the, of the discussions that we began last week. Um, but here's the question. How do we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God? How do we, as the people of God, offer up to God living and holy sacrifices to him. All right, I'm going to give you three more things. I say that because there were a lot of good things that were said last week by a number of brothers um, on this topic. But I want to give you three more things to consider today 
um, that hopefully will impress upon us the work that we need to do with God as God works in us to become living and holy sacrifices up to him. How do we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God? Number one, um, we consider every moment holy to God. Every moment holy to God. Let me explain what I mean by that. Every part of your life as a Christian is holy to the Lord. It's not just what we do here on Sundays that we offer up as worship to God. Every part of the life of the Christian is to be worship to our God. So think about this as we consider this topic today. How do you treat your family? That is part of your living sacrifice that you offer up to God. How you relate to your roommates or to your coworkers is part of your sacrifice up to God. Your relationship with your boss is part of your sacrifice to God. How you work on the job every day is part of your sacrifice to God. What you do when you're home alone is part of your sacrifice to God. I want you to think about every aspect of your life. I want you to think about every moment of every day. Hard to do that all at once. But I want you just to kind of take a survey of your life and, and ask yourself this question as we discuss this today. What parts of the life that I am living are defiled and in need of cleansing as I offer up my body to God as a living and holy sacrifice. Mm -hmm. What parts of the sacrifice that I'm offering to God have been defiled, have been contaminated, have been um, corrupted by the sin of this world and are in need of cleansing? As disciples, we make it our aim in all things, not just in our gatherings, but in all things, in every part of life, to offer in our bodies what is acceptable and what is pleasing to God. So think with me for a moment uh, about what that means for us to consider each and every moment holy. First of all, there, there's no distinction for the Christian between the secular and the sacred. There's no distinction for the Christian between the secular and the sacred. Uh, sometimes you'll hear me say things like this. We'll talk about like secular work or that sort of thing. Um, when we use that term, we need to understand that there is, it's not like, you know, people that are devoted full time to ministry, as we'll say, you know, devoted, they're, they're supported to preach the gospel. It's not like they do the spiritual work and everybody else does the secular work. That is not a biblical concept. No, every part of our work is spiritual. And it's important for us to understand this because sometimes we give the impression that some jobs you know, are part of the ones that are worshiped to God and other jobs then that's not part of worship at all. No, every job for the Christian is service to God. Every person's daily labor is worship up to God if they are disciples of Christ. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means you're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it to serve him. He is your master, your boss, the one that you are working for. There is no secular for those who offer their bodies as living sacrifices to God. Everything we do 
is spiritual and we need to consider it that way. This is important because I think sometimes um, we uh, we may be tempted to think that actually, you know, what we do when we come together on the first day of the week like that, that is our worship, you know, and actually that's true, isn't it? Yeah. But sometimes we may be tempted to think that actually, you know, once we leave here, you know, that now worship is over. And now it's like, you know, now back to my normal, regular scheduled activities and I get to go about doing me. You know, when I'm here, I do what's pleasing to God. But when I'm out there, you know, I do what I need to do and I do what's important to me. And that is not at all the, the concept that we get from reading the Bible. In the Bible, worship is as wide as the Christian's life. Look at Hebrews chapter 13 and verse uh, 15 and 16. And, and look at this. I, I think this passage really kind of emphasizes this idea that is being taught here in Romans 12. Hebrews 13 verses 15 and 16. Listen to what the text says. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. All right, in verse 15, there's what is worship? Worship is praising God in song. That's what we're doing here, right? You know, we come together for that. Hopefully that's not the only time we praise God in song, but nonetheless, let's keep going. Verse 16, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. All right, so it's not just the lips, the fruit of the lips that is my worship up to God. It is also how I treat other people, the doing of good, the sharing with others who are in need. Understand this, when we worship together and when we sing songs of praise, we are offering sacrifices up to God. And we need to think about that. Sometimes we come here and we get so distracted by the things of the world that we're not even thinking about what we're singing. Not even thinking about all those pledges and commitments we just made to God in those songs, man. We just vowed some things to God as we sang those songs. And we need to take that seriously. But think about this too. So also, just as worshiping together and singing songs of praise is offering sacrifice to God, so also when we take food and clothing to the poor, we are offering sacrifices up to God. When we share with those who are in need, when we do good to our neighbors and to our coworkers, when we act as Christ would have us to act on the job at school, we are offering sacrifices up to God. This is all a part of our worship. So again, I ask you, how do you view worship? Some people think of worship as simply what we do when we gather here. Um, and so, you know, we wear our Sunday best. We come together to offer our Sunday sacrifice up to God. Um, the problem with that is, though, that God wants more than just Sundays. Amen. He wants Monday through Saturday, too. Amen. God wants it all. Um, one, one thing that I struggled with when I was younger, um, I would spend more time, I think, uh, getting dressed and doing my hair. And, uh, you know, if you guys can believe that I used to, you know, have this nice little part and like gel and all that stuff in the hair. Um, and, and I would spend more time preparing my body for worship, my, my exterior than I would my interior. You know, sometimes I go into church and I spend all my time getting my suit on and getting my hair parted and all that. And eventually I came to say, and, and, and this is my judgment, this is not something I would insist on other people. I say, hey, I'm spending way too much time focused on my outward appearance and not nearly enough time focused on my heart. 
And actually, the person that I need to be when I come into the assembly on Sunday is the person that I should be every day of the week, not just on Sunday. Let me be the same human every day, offering up a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. What do we view as worship? Sometimes we view success in the church as determined by the number of people who, uh, who, who come to worship. That's what it means to, to, to be successful. And our sacrifice is determined by, and somehow, somehow by, by numbers. But you, can't, you can't read scripture carefully and then neglect the coming together for worship. That's important in the Bible. That is, that is stress. That's a critical part of the sacrifice that we offer God. But you also can't read scripture carefully and walk away thinking that this is all that it means to worship God. The Lord is concerned about our lives and we could fill the building with bodies and yet still be doing nothing to offer up sacrifices to God that are pleasing to him. We can fill the building with bodies for worship. But if the life that we live when we leave the building is not pleasing to the God we gathered to sing to, then all that we've offered him here is in vain. Amen. God wants it all. And therefore, we consider each moment holy. I want you to think about that in your life. Are there parts of your life that you're viewing as secular? You're treating as if it's not the Lord. You're acting as if it's not part of your sacrifice to God. Think this year, how can I offer up this part of my life as a living and holy sacrifice to him? All right, number two, how do we offer our bodies as living and holy sacrifice to God? Number two, um, we constantly renew our minds. We constantly renew our minds. Somebody said that the, the problem with a living sacrifice is that living sacrifices can keep crawling off the altar. Isn't that true? Sometimes what happens is, you know, we say today, hey, man, I'm in assembly. I'm stirred up. We sang some exciting songs. We prayed some prayers. We, I heard an inspiring message, I hope. Um, but, uh, but now I'm going to offer my body as a living sacrifice to God. And then the problem comes is tomorrow I wake up and I've completely forgotten everything that took place yesterday. You know? And I'm no longer offering myself up as a sacrifice to God. The problem with living sacrifices is that they can keep crawling off the altar. And most uh, of the time, most of the time, what we need is a constant renewal of the mind. Um, our bodies are to be offered up as living sacrifices, which means that we don't just die once. We die daily. Do you remember this? Jesus saying this in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and let him follow me. Take up his cross daily. The idea that I think Jesus is stressing here is that the crucifixion that we undergo as Christians, when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, I don't think Paul meant by that, um, that he did it once and it was done. I crucified my life with Christ and therefore I'm a new person and I've never, never got to die again. No, the picture that you see throughout the New Testament is of a, of a continual death. We are giving ourselves over to death daily, putting to death that old self and being raised up to walk in newness of life. It is a constant renewal. And I want to say to you, this is stressed in Romans chapter 12. It's also stressed in Ephesians chapter 4. 
that in order to be a living sacrifice, we must constantly be renewed in the mind. Let me say a couple things about this. To renew, first of all, is to make something new again, right? The re part of that is to do it again and again and again. When the Bible says renew your mind, the idea is that it's not something you can do once. You make it new and then we're all good. You guys know this, don't you? From experience. Sometimes I've made my mind new. I've, I, by the grace and power of God, God has worked in me. He's, he's cleansed all the filth of my mind. But then as we go out there and we're listening to things and we're hearing stuff on the street and, and you know, sometimes we got televisions on with all kinds of filth coming in and eventually our mind gets defiled again. To renew your mind is to do it again and again and again and again. Let me add, though, too, that the renewal must be done in the mind. In fact, the Bible stresses this idea over and over and over again, that all meaningful and lasting change begins in the mind. Listen to Proverbs 23 and verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you want to be renewed, let it start in your heart. Let it start in your mind. Our words and our deeds flow out of the mind and they flow out of the heart. Sometimes we might be saying something. We say, where did that come from? That slipped. You know, I used to say that sometimes about words. Like that slipped. I shouldn't have said that. Um, well, the Bible says that actually the words that come out of your mouth flow from where? In your heart. If something's coming out of your mouth that's corrupt, it's because there's corruption in your heart and in your mind. And if you want renewal, you can't just say, I'm not, I'm going to stop saying those bad words. I got to deal deeper with than that. I got to deal with the thought processes that are going on in my mind that are leading me to act and to speak in a way. If you want to change how you live, act or talk, you must change how you think and also what you want. What is it that is motivating me to act and to live the way that I am? Therefore, transformation begins in the mind. Um, I, I mentioned this passage already. Ephesians 4, verses 22 and 20 to 24, just to see how important this is. Whenever, the, whenever you see something in the Bible that gets repeated, you should think a couple of things. Probably it's hard and probably it's really important. So here it is again in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of the seed, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, holiness of the truth. See what Paul's saying? All right, here's what it means to be a Christian. You're going to put off that old self. All the filth, all the sin, all the wickedness that used to be in your life, you're putting that all off. And you're going to put on the new self, a new self that looks like God, which is renewed in righteousness and holiness of the truth, in the likeness of God. How do you do that? He says, by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is, you have to start by thinking about what is what am I filling my mind with? Uh, I was encouraged this week. Um, uh, and, and think about this question. What are you listening to? What are you listening to on a day-to-day -day basis that is filling up your mind? Uh, I was encouraged. I heard about two different people this week in our number um, who uh, who have said said something like, 
um, that, hey, you know, I recognized there, that there were some things that I was listening to. With one of them, it was music. With another one, it was news. Um, and they were like, I recognize that some of these things were actually just, they weren't helping the way that I was thinking. Um, they weren't helping, you know, the, the, the way my focus on the Lord. In fact, they were actually defiling it. They were hindering it. And so I decided that I'm just not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to fill my mind with that anymore. I was encouraged by that. That's how renewal happens. We put to death that old self by stopping, to by, by removing the filth that we've been filling our minds with and instead replacing it with the things of God. I want to encourage you today. Are there things this week um, that as you got started in this new year, you're like, hey, man, I, this has really hindered me. I've been filling my mind with this stuff and it hasn't helped me at all to be a living sacrifice to God. Cut it out. Cut out the things that are leading you away from God. Thankfully, God gives us also opportunities to have our minds and our the spirit of our minds renewed. That's actually why we do stuff like this. You might be wondering why, why is it so important to be involved in assemblies? Well, that's what assemblies are for. We come together to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And if we don't prioritize gatherings like this, don't be surprised when we find ourselves being filled with that corruption and that sin that used to we used to be entangled in. Don't be surprised when we find ourselves offering up defiled sacrifices to God. But I'll add to that, that assemblies like this are insufficient to, to, to renew my mind. I can't just say like, I'm gonna renew my, re, renew my mind on Sunday and I'm good, you know, I'm good for the week. You guys know this. You If you renew your mind on Sunday morning, by Sunday afternoon, if you ain't working on your mind, you could be in a bad place. Some of us have been there, haven't we? Come to church, and then we don't we don't understand how we fell in sin a few hours later after church. Well, this is how renewal it must be done again and again and again. And and so I say that to say this is why the Hebrew writer says to encourage one another day after day, so that none of you are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's not like hey, once a week you're good. No, every day be thinking about how to stir each other up so that we don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, so that our minds stay renewed. Let me add to that, too, that I, I would suggest that um, the renewal of the mind is not something we can expect for other people to do for us. That is to say, encouragement is an important part of renewal. Some of the words that were spoken last week by some of the men in the assembly and some of the conversations I've had this week have, have, have stirred me up to renewal. Uh, and I thank God for that. But I'll just add, sometimes you're not going to get the renewal that you want or the stirring towards renewal that you want. Um, buy it from other people. And there are times in which you're going to be on the job or you're going to be with family, sometimes family that's not acting like Christ, sometimes family that doesn't even know Christ. Sometimes you're going to be in the neighborhood. And, and in those moments, you're not getting the encouraging word that you need. And in those moments, you have to think, hey, I have to do the hard work daily of disciplining my mind and of devoting myself to the word and to prayer so that my mind is renewed. And my focus is on God. And this is really critical for each one of us to get in the habit of doing. How do we get renewed in the spirit of our mind? By submitting to God through the word and through prayer. Talking to God. Listening to God's word. And meditating on it day and night. The beauty of meditation is you can do that whether you got a Bible in front of you or not. If you get God's word written on your heart, then there it is. Even when you're in the middle of a crisis at work, you can recall it to mind. Hey. As scripture is helpful to me and renews my mind so that I can act in a way that is pleasing to Christ. 
What are you doing this week? And what are you doing this year to renew, be renewed in the spirit of your mind? I want to encourage you, if you haven't been in the habit of reading the Bible, this is a great time to start. We just started reading through the Bible, uh, reading through the New Testament, one chapter a day, Monday through Friday. We're going through that. Um, some of you are going a little faster. I heard from Brother Billy. He's already finished Matthew. He's ahead of the game. Um, but uh, but some of us are moving a little slower. But I'll tell you, that'll do wonders for you. If you devote yourself to reading God's word every day, taking time to pray to God every day, that'll do wonders for the way that you think. Constantly renew your mind. All right, how do we offer our bodies to God as a living holy sacrifice? We consider each moment holy. We constantly are renewed in the spirit of our minds. And finally, we conform to the painful process of transformation. We conform to the painful process of transformation. Look again at Romans 12 and verse 2. And I want you to notice a couple of things. I'm sure you've seen them before, but may I stir you up by way of reminder. Romans 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. I'll just say this. It is natural to conform to the things that you are around. I was talking about this with uh, Andre and Chris, who are visiting with us. Um, I have uh, one of my few uh, one of my favorite gifts is that uh, from God is the ability to pick up on language fast. I was telling them that uh, when I moved to uh, South Alabama, I had some friends who came down and saw me there um, two or three weeks after uh, after I had moved there. And it's like, man, your whole accent is completely changed in like three weeks. Uh, I can just pick it up quick. Um, and I'll notice that in other places as well. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes without even noticing it, to just conform. Uh, some of you guys who uh, um, are torn between two worlds might experience this. You go back to Nigeria or you go back to your home country and you start talking very different than you do here in the U.S., right? Um, it's just natural to conform to the environment that you're living in. But this text says that if we're going to be living sacrifice to God, we must not be conformed to the world around us. Which is basically saying that to avoid being conformed to the culture, it's going to be like, hey, we're trying to swim upstream. You know, the culture is going this way. And I'll just say, if you're just if you're not swimming, you're going with the culture. Like you're not if you're not swimming against it. You're riding with it. Sometimes without even trying, we end up going to places we don't want to go, conform to the world. But God says, don't be conformed to the world any longer. As living in holy sacrifices, we are holy. That is, we are set apart for God. We don't think the way people of the world think. We don't strive for the things that people of the world strive for. We don't prioritize the priorities of the people of this world. And therefore, we are holy to God. Some people we used to hang with, we don't hang with them no more. Some things we used to say, we don't say them no more. Some things we used to do, we don't do them no more because we are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Be transformed. So actually what God says is, don't be conformed to the world, but do conform to this process of transformation that he's trying to work in you. Be transformed. The word transformed, one of the few Greek words that I know um, and knew before I ever uh, studied a little bit of this language, um, which is, uh, it's the word 
Um, anybody that didn't sleep through science class in elementary school should know this word. It's the word from which we get um, metamorphosis. Metamorpho is the word here. Um, metamorphosis. What is metamorphosis? Uh, when I think of that word, um, I think of uh, one of our science experiments that we did um, back in school was to take a caterpillar and you're supposed to take the caterpillar home and you're supposed to watch the caterpillar go through this process of metamorphosis, transformation. One of the cool things about caterpillars is different from most other animals on the earth. And some of you, uh, we should get Moses up here to explain this better than I could. But, uh, but one of the cool things about it is that they go undergo like a, a complete transformation, like you know, they go in like this. And and my understanding is they get like totally different DNA. They get like their cells like totally rearranged. Everything about the caterpillar is different. Um, I don't know if you ever watched that process. It's a long, slow, for them, it's a very painful process. And you can even see that as the butterfly starts to bust out of that cocoon. You start to see it and you're like, man, it's stuck. And it's just like little by little, it's pressing its way out. And you can see the strain that the butterfly goes through in order to get out of that. And what you want to do, if you're a human and you're watching that, is say, hey, let me help you out here. Let me just cut that open for you and you'll be free and you can fly. But don't you know that if anything intervenes with the process of transformation for that butterfly, if you cut, if you cut the cocoon open, it will either injure the butterfly or it will kill it. It is a painful process of metamorphosis that results in the beauty of the butterfly being transformed in its image. And what I want to suggest to you is this. When I think about the process here of becoming a living sacrifice, I, I, God uses the word sacrifice for a reason. It's painful. It is not easy. It is a difficult thing the disciples are called to, to come and deny yourself and take up your cross daily. The Lord is saying this is going to be hard. And it is hard. There is pain involved in the process of being transformed into the likeness of God. And sometimes it's tempting, isn't it? To want God to intervene. Lord, remove this hindrance from me. Remove my suffering. Remove the pain. Let Just step in and intervene and, and make this process a lot easier. But if we're going to become what God desires us to be, living in holy sacrifices, acceptable and pleasing to him, there will be difficulties. There will be pain. There will be suffering involved. Let the treasures of the trial form within me as I go. In order for that to happen, I have to submit to the suffering that I will endure in this world. So just as the butterfly, so it is with the people of God. As we seek to become living sacrifices holy to God, the process may prove painful as we cut out the things in our hearts and in our minds and in our character that is not of God, and we throw those things away. That process is brutally painful. But by the power and strength of God, God works in us through his holy love and grace to renew us in the spirit of our minds day by day, to transform us into something far more beautiful, far greater than what we ever had before. And won't it be worth it when we stand before God like a butterfly, completely and perfectly transformed into his image? This painful 
process of transformation that we undergo will result in a living and holy sacrifice, a sweet and fragrant aroma that pleases God. If all this sounds difficult to you and painful, it is. If it sounds impossible, remember this. What is impossible with man is, impo is not impossible with God. There is nothing impossible with God. All these things sound difficult or even impossible until, until we look to the life of our Savior. As we look to Jesus, and as we think about what Jesus endured and all that he did for us, as we look at the perfect Lamb of God who came to take away our sins and offered himself, himself up as a sacrifice, as a fragrant offering to God, we're reminded of his deep love for us. And I want to tell you, nothing, nothing will move you to offer your body as a living and holy sacrifice to God for life, except for the love of God. The greatest motive that will move us to start making these difficult changes in our lives, to start cutting out the things that we need to cut out, to start taking, making every moment holy and being constantly renewed in the spirit of our mind. The, the greatest motive that will move us to do these things is the love of Christ. As we look at what he accomplished on the cross for us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That was us. That was me. And that was you. Praise God that Jesus endured the cross, endured the painful process, enduring the cross so that he might bring life forever to us. If Jesus could give his all for us, then we too, as we look upon his love, will be empowered through his Holy Spirit to give our lives back to him as living and holy sacrifices. May God help us toward that end over the course of this year. May God stir us up to live as sacrifices to him in this world. Let's pray together. Oh God, we're really grateful to be gathered together and worship you, the God who has sacrificed everything for us, a people completely and utterly undeserving of it. I pray to you, oh God, today that you would stir us up and that we would each be renewed in the spirit of our minds so that we would offer up to you our bodies as living and holy sacrifices. Help us this year, Father, to work on every part of our life and make it holy to you. Help us to consider each moment holy, to constantly, constantly be working to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And help us, Father, to conform to this painful process of transformation, which you have begun in each one of us. I'm grateful, O oh God, for the work that we already see you doing. And we're grateful for the work that we know you will do. We know, Father, that you who began this good work will complete it until the day of Christ. So help us, Father, each day to submit to this uh, work with you cut out these things from our hearts and from our lives that are defiling the offerings that we offer up to you so that every day we can live in a way that is like a, a sweet smelling aroma, a fragrant offering that goes up before you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.